Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, the Timberwolves schedule is out. What to look forward to this season? How easy does the schedule start and how does it finish this year? Uh, what's kind of the month by month outlook if we break the schedule down that way? Plus, ESPN is still a little too low on the Timberwolves. They continue to disrespect how good this team should be this year. And the Timberwolves have hired a new play-by-play announcer, or really Bally Sports North has hired a new play-by-play announcer for Timberwolves games. We'll talk about all that on the show here today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Locked On Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. A reminder, you can also listen to this show on any of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey. You can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and also at BBeacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, as we head into the weekend, the Timberwolves schedule was released along with everybody else in the league late Wednesday. Um, So we'll talk about that here today. I want to start the show by breaking it down. Um, in my take, kind of breaking the season down into phases, what it looks like sitting here right now, you know, roughly two months out from the start of the regular season. Of course, training camp's only about a month away. Um, so we'll break all that down. I also want to get to some ESPN stuff. Uh, the four letter continues to disrespect the Timberwolves and not uh, apparently grasp the fact that the Wolves are are going for it here in the next couple of years. They, they ESPN has some all in tiers. What are various NBA teams all in on? The Wolves essentially. Uh, the easiest way to to say this is they don't rank in the top ten of of teams that ESPN thinks would would be vying for a championship this year, which to me just seems insane. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the new hire for the Valley Sports North play by play announcer Michael Grady, who's coming to the Wolves from Brooklyn on the Nets broadcast. We'll break down his resume here later in the show. So all that's upcoming. Let's start with the schedule though. Um, the uh, you know some. Bits of the schedule started to be to kind of be leaked early. I think it was Tuesday when it came out. The Wolves would open at home against the Thunder. I think Dane Moore had reported that on Twitter, and, and I talked about it a bit on Wednesday's show. The entire schedule, of course, is out now, um, and there's some folks that have really broken this thing down. And I want to you know give some hat tips to to those folks. I, I really chiefly Jack Borman over at Canis Hoopus. He actually Jack used to write at Dunky with Wolves when I was there. And uh, Jack does a fantastic job at Canis Hoopis. He, he appears on some podcasts as well. But he broke down the, the schedule into 10-game blocks. Uh, I guess the last block is 12 games. Admittedly arbitrary, but an interesting way to look at the schedule. And so I want to give him some credit because I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about his numbers, what he pulled and posted on Twitter, also wrote about it, Canis Hoopis. In 10-game blocks, he broke down strength of schedule uh, and also the rest rank. How many days rest do, does each team have? Um, over the course of each of these 10-game blocks, do the Wolves have a rest advantage or disadvantage in each of these blocks? Um, So I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Again, arbitrary, but interesting. Um, Suffice it to say, the first 10 games, they have the easiest schedule of anybody in the league. And uh, it's not hard to see why. If you look at the Timberwolves schedule, as mentioned, they open at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder, likely one of the worst five teams in the entire league this year, probably a bottom two or three team in the Western Conference. yes. They have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, yes. They have Josh Gady, yes. They have, uh, of course, Chet Holmgren, Minnesota's own Chet Holmgren. So that'll be fun for him to play his first NBA regular season game in Minnesota at Target Center. But uh, a 
alas, the Thunder are not going to be good this year. So Wolves Thunder opener, then the Wolves have the Jazz at home two nights later, then they go to Oklahoma City for their only road game in their first six games, five of their first six games at home. All three of those should be wins. Uh, you know, one day rest or really two days rest, no back-to-backs, two games at home, two of the worst three teams in the West in OKC and Utah. They should be 3-0. Then you get two games at home against San Antonio, not a back-to-back. You know, it's hard to beat a team twice in a row. I always figure they'll split, you know, if it's consecutive games against the same team. Yeah, then they play the Lakers at home and then they go at San Antonio. So assuming they win two out of three against San Antonio, you're looking at likely a six and one, maybe a five and two record over the first seven. Before you get into the first nationally televised games of the season, the Wolves play at Phoenix on Tuesday, November 1st. That's a TNT game at 9 p.m. Central at Phoenix. Then three nights later, their next game, they get two days rest. They return home to play the Milwaukee Bucks at another 9 p.m. Central tip, actually at Target Center on ESPN. They're only, they have... Uh, six televised games at ESPN. Only one of them is a home game. Five of them are away games. The first one is a home game. That's against the Bucks on November 4th. So they could be six and one, five and two going into that really tough consecutive stretch. Phoenix at Phoenix on Tuesday on TNT at home for Milwaukee on Friday on ESPN. Um, and that'll be, you know, the buzz could be sitting here right now. Obviously the schedule's not daunting over the first couple of weeks, but there will be national buzz if the Wolves are six and one, or five and two going into that set of games against the Suns in Milwaukee. And then you get some more easy ones. Houston, the Knicks is winnable, Phoenix again. And then, of course, at Memphis, at Cleveland gets more difficult. At Memphis is an ESPN game, of course, the rematch of last year's first-round playoff series. And then you get into that that second grouping of 10 games, as Jack Borman points out. Um, that's a more difficult stretch. But then there's an easier stretch after that. Um, all in all, in the first 50 games, the Wolves have three 10-game stretches in which they have the easiest or second easiest schedule. Now, of course... This is based on last season's results. We know how quickly things can change. Remember going into last year, Atlanta had just been to the conference finals. Everyone's like, oh, you know, they're a top five, six team in the league. They weren't very good last year. So obviously things can change. This is far from a perfect exercise. Um, But long story short, the best way to break this down, in my opinion, is the Wolves need to bake as many wins as they possibly can early in the season, in the first half of the season, because the schedule gets really tough in the second half. Um, and, and I think it's, yeah, I mean, like the, well, there's two ways to look at it, right? So number one, the, the easier start, the easier first portion of the schedule is good, right? Because you're going to build your confidence. You're, uh, you're a team that has a, a number of new pieces, most notably, of course, Rudy Gobert, a new starting lineup, um, a, a tweaked rotation. They're going to play differently on both ends of the floor. So they need some time to get their feet under them, to get their sea legs. They need to play the Thunders and the Jazz and, and you know, teams like that, that they should be early in the season to get acclimated to one another, acclimated to winning and bank as many wins as they can. And then late in the season, hopefully they they know what they're doing, right? They, Rudy knows how to play with Cat. Cat knows how to play with Rudy. The Wolves know how to defend, understanding and trusting that they've got Rudy Gobert in the back line. Offensively, they've found the rhythm. D'Lo knows how many shots he's going to be able to get. Rudy's comfortable with his usage. Um, and Chris Fitch, has you know instilled what he wants to instill in this team. Um, and then by the second part of the season, hopefully they're comfortable, they're ready to win, right? The flip side is, is there some complacency? Is there some overconfidence if they get off to a good start? Um, you know, say they do start, I don't know, 20 and nine or, you know, something, something like that over their first 30-ish game. So, you know, call it 20 and 10 or, you know, something crazy like 22 and eight, which probably won't happen. But say it's a really, really impressive record over the first 30 to 40 games. Is there complacency that sets in? 
is there a sense of overconfidence? And then does that disappear when they start playing against really tough teams and tough situations um, over the over the you know last thirty or so games of the season? Um, the last six games, sixty-one to eighty-two, according to Jack Borman at Canis Hoopus, sixty-one to seventy, they have the twenty-sixth easiest schedule, or in other words, the fifth toughest schedule in the league. And then the final twelve games, they've got the ninth toughest schedule in the league. Or even worse, what if they get off to a bad start and then it's like, well, wait a minute, they just played the Thunder, you know, twice, and they played San Antonio three times, and they played Utah a couple of times, they played Houston. If this team can't beat those teams, how are they ever going to play well late in the season against, you know, the uh, the Golden States and the uh, the Milwaukee's and the uh, you know uh, Phoenix and some of these teams that you're good Denver, right? The, the Wolves have a bunch of Denver after the first year. I think all four of their Denver games are after the first of the year. Um, and what happens if you can't beat the bad teams early? Now, obviously, there's uh, there's much bigger issues at that point. But we can't ignore that that's a possibility and then it sets everything off, right? Um, and things could could look ugly quickly. All that to say, if I could pick an easy schedule early or a hard schedule early, I think you have to go with the easy schedule. It's going to be more fun. There'll be more buzz. And I think it's more likely than not, you know, Rudy's going to be kind of this calming factor, hopefully, or at least more of an, um, uh, an even keeled, like, hey guys, let's not get too high, right? And Chris Fitch, of course, is that way. Most head coaches are. Um, I think it's better this way than to start against a gauntlet of, you know, uh, of Denver's and, and teams like that, you know, Golden State, teams at the top, Phoenix, teams at the top of the Western Conference, and then, uh, you know, be like six and four and be like, well, I thought we were supposed to be really good this year. You know, I, I, ultimately, it, it probably doesn't matter that much, right? You're going to, most teams are going to have a similar strict of schedule when it's all said and done, but how does the schedule line out? Could the psychology have some impact on on this team's overall outlook this season? Um, and I think it's really fascinating. So I, I like the easier schedule early. I think it's a better chance for the Wolves to get acclimated to each other as a team, to the strategy, to the way they're going to play for the majority of the season. And then you get tested, battle tested right before the playoffs. Now, of course, in theory, the team will be healthiest early in the season. Hopefully they stay relatively healthy all year like they did last year. So if you have injuries that crop up in February, you know, January, February, March, that's when the schedule's toughest. So you're going to have to fight through some of that adversity. We saw teams do that last year. Memphis did a good job of doing that when guys were hurt. Um, you know, Denver, to the extent that it was possible that they overcome the injuries to Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray and others, they did that for the most part. So the Wolves, hopefully that doesn't happen and that they can play their best ball when they get to the toughest part of the schedule down the stretch in middle part to latter part of the regular season schedule. All right, I want to talk about the um, the ESPN All-In tiers because they're crazy, uh, and, and I, I want to talk about that next. We'll talk about Michael Grady here last as well, um, but I, I want to like wrap up the schedule thoughts here in a second before we get to all that. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Right now, you can bet on NBA uh, futures as well as win totals. I've been saying this for a long time. The Wolves' win total is still too low. I mean that. Uh, I'm very confident in that um, over at Bet Online, or you know, certainly. Um, also, NFL, we're week two of preseason now. Remember, there's only three preseason weeks now. We're like three weeks away from actual regular season NFL football. So there's plenty over there at Bet Online. Like I said, every single league, every single sport you could possibly think of is over there. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sport wagering information from live in-game betting to scores and podcasts. They have you covered. 
Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, putting a bow on the schedule, I mentioned briefly the nationally televised uh, national TV schedule earlier. The Wolves have 16 quote unquote nationally televised games. Six of those are NBA TV though. And there always ends up being a few more. I think Monday's fan nights on NBA TV. So fans can vote on which game they want to see uh, on NBA TV. There are six scheduled. The 10 otherwise are ESPN and TNT. And I believe six are ESPN, five of those on the road, and then four are TNT. The TNT games are that Tuesday at Phoenix, November 1st, which is game, uh, what, game nine of the season or game uh, game eight of the season. Uh, the Tuesday, November 1st on TNT. The second TNT game is Tuesday, February 7th at Denver. That's the second consecutive game against Denver. They play them twice in a row there in early February. The next TNT game is Tuesday, February 28th at the Clippers. And the last one is Tuesday, March 7th versus the Sixers at home in Minnesota. So three of the 14 T games are also on the road. Five of the six ESPN games are on the road. And uh, all of the TNT games, interestingly, are on Tuesday and not Thursday. So take that, I guess, for whatever it's worth. The ESPN games early in the season versus Milwaukee at home. That's that Friday, November 4th, right after the Suns game. At Memphis on November 11th, so the very next week. At the Clippers on December 14th. That's a Wednesday night ESPN game. At Denver, Wednesday, January 18th. And then the final two are at Golden State on Sunday evening, February 26th. And then at Phoenix, Wednesday, March 29th. So a couple of nationally televised Phoenix games, a couple Denvers, a couple Memphis. Uh, really kind of those matchups you might expect to see on national TV. So the Wolves go from, I think, two nationally televised games last year, maybe three to 10 this season, not including NBA TV. Again, six NBA TV games, uh, six ESPN games and four TNT games is how it all breaks down. Uh, but all that to say, again, early uh, early start to the season should be a fairly winnable uh, slate of games. They should be able to go something like six and one or five and two in their first seven. Things get a little more difficult, but they should have a nice record by the All-Star break. And then it gets tough in February. The season closes a really difficult kind of final stretch. You know, you start in late March, you go Knicks, Hawks, Warriors, the, uh, the Kings, who should be a borderline playing team, the Suns, the Lakers will be much better. Portland will be better. Brooklyn, who knows, San Antonio and New Orleans to close the season. The Wolves in New Orleans could be battling out, who knows, for the you know four, five, six area in the Western Conference as well. So very difficult close to the regular season for the Wolves. Uh, but uh, head on over to, uh, you know, I'll recommend the Canis Supas article by Jack Borman. And of course, if you don't follow Jack on Twitter, you should. Does a really good job and, and a good breakdown of the schedule as well. Okay, uh, let's talk about this ESPN all-in tiers thing because I just think it's insane. Um, so I'll talk about the premise here first. This is an article by Tim Bontemps and Kevin Pelton over at ESPN. And I talked about Pelton the other day. Um, I, I generally really like Kevin Pelton. He's very analytically inclined. That's kind of his thing. Um, I believe he created ESPN RPM, if I'm not mistaken. But um, all about the numbers, which I appreciate. Bontemps is, is a very good writer, a good analyst. Um, the premise of this article is NBA all-in tiers. Which teams are going all-in on immediate success and which are looking to the future? So the premise of this article is, uh, they say, they, they pose in this article on ESPN, what does it mean to be all in in today's NBA? 
is there more than one definition? And they say, yes, basically. Like you, not everybody can say realistically that they're going to lift the trophy at the end of the Larry O'Brien at the end of the season. Um, so what's every team all in on doing? So the different, the different tiers you could be in are on a championship, all in on a championship in the next five seasons, all in on playoff success, all in on finishing 500, uh, whatever that means, all in on their current core. Again, it just basically means we trust, they're, they're essentially younger teams that trust in their core moving forward. All in on draft positioning, which is another way of saying tanking, and then all in on nothing, which is you're in no man's land, which is a fascinating uh, tier. We'll, we'll talk about that. First, I'll, I'll read uh, a couple of these other tiers first before we get to where the Wolves are, because uh, I have some complaints, if you haven't picked up on that to this point. The first one is all in on a championship this season. There's only six teams listed here, which feels low because I think you could say all the teams that at least think they're better than 500 would say they're all in on winning the championship this season. The six teams that can realistically dream of a championship, according to Bon Tempson Pelton, are the Brooklyn Nets, the LA Clippers, the Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, and Phoenix Suns. Now, I wouldn't argue with any of those. I think that's true, right? Um, teams that have that have been there, right? The, the or at least been in the conference finals or been to the finals in recent seasons. The Bucks, the Suns, the Heat. Uh, you know, the the Clippers haven't had the health to do that, but they believe they can do it. The Sixers have been close. The Nets should have been closer than they were. Uh, and there's a bit of a you know who knows exactly what's happening there still. But I understand putting them in this tier. So that makes some sense to me. The next tier, and I understand not putting the Wolves there. I wouldn't put the Wolves in, in the tier of all-in for a championship this season. Now, um, that's this is right from a front office perspective. You told Chris Fitch, if you told Carl Anthony Towns, they even actually started the article with the Rudy Gobert quote that he came to take the Wolves to the finals in his intro presser in Minneapolis. Um, you know, of course, the players and the coaches and, and everybody sit, they want to be on. That's their job. The front office has to have a, a little bit of a broader view. So what's the next tier? And of course, you know, surely the Wolves would be in the next tier, right? It's called all in on a championship over the next five seasons. And there's four teams there. Those teams are the Boston Celtics, the Denver Nuggets, the Golden State Warriors, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, three of those teams should be in the first tier, right? I mean, Boston was just in the finals. Golden State just won the finals. Both teams that were in the finals weren't in that top tier. I would also put the Denver Nuggets in that top tier. Now, you know, I, I guess you could put it be, because what about what the Nuggets are doing would suggest that they're not. They retold a roster that was very good because they thought they could have some pieces that fit better with guys returning from injury like Porter Jr. and Murray. Um, and and they acknowledge this here, Pelton and, uh, and Bontemps do. They say in the article, how can last season's NBA finals land outside the group of current championship contenders? By contrast to the first tier's teams, which have depleted their resources in pursuit of instant success. The Celtics and Warriors managed to get to the finals while keeping an eye on the long-term plan. So there's apparently two ways to frame this, right? It's not just we'd, we'd like to win a championship over the next five years. It's we are we have a model that could have sustained success. Now, given that logic, I get that, the, you know, what the Bucks gave up to get Drew Holiday. Um, like, I guess that that could be the argument that, hey, they mortgaged a lot of their future. But like Giannis isn't going anywhere. Joel Embiid's not going anywhere from Philly anytime soon. Bam Adebayo's not leaving Miami. Like, I don't understand. Um, I, like, I, I mean, I do understand, I guess, if we're splitting these hairs and saying, well, they, the Bucks traded a bunch for Drew Holiday. So, you know, 
So so it's this year. It's it's but they didn't win it last year. And if they don't win it this year, they've still got another couple of years after that. So I don't understand the the definition there. Um, between tier one and tier two, I don't think it's very clear. It's, it's very murky. I understand putting Memphis there. I don't think Memphis realistically thinks they can win a title this year, but they're also not going anywhere. They've got a relatively young roster. Uh, they're building around John Morant and they retain Tyus Jones. They, they want to be in the thick of the Western Conference for a while, but here we are 10 teams deep and there's no Minnesota Timberwolves to be found. I want to talk about where they landed on this list here next. That's how we'll close the show. According to ESPN's all-in on article, the Minnesota Timberwolves are not in on a championship this year. They're not all-in on a championship over the next five seasons. They're not in the top 10 if this is how we want to rank the top 10 teams in the league, at least in terms of expectations over the next five seasons. I don't know how a team that acquires a 30-year-old All-NBA player, Defensive Player of the Year, somebody they gave up four, depending on your definition, six first-round picks plus three rotation players, I don't know how you're not all in over the next five seasons, but according to this article at ESPN, they are not. The Timberwolves are in the next tier, which is all in on playoff success, along with, and this is this is perhaps my biggest gripe, the Atlanta Hawks, Chicago Bulls, and Portland Trailblazers. The Timberwolves are better than all three of those teams, and it's likely not going to be close. Um I I, I don't I don't know. I don't get this one. Um, so here, here's here's a couple of the, the snippets here. They say Chicago hasn't won a playoff series since Tom Thibodeau was the coach. Uh, they have a veteran-laden roster and traded away multiple first-round picks. The Bulls, like the Hawks, would be happy to win a playoff series. I'll skip the Bulls for now. Uh, they About the, the Hawks, they basically just say they gave a bunch for DeJounte Murray. Uh, for Portland, they say they're trying to rebuild around Damian Lillard. In what world... Do the Wolves belong in the same sentence as the Hawks, Bulls, and Blazers? How are they not in the same sentence as the Grizzlies and the Nuggets? Now, I know that this isn't a ranking of teams. It's not a power ranking. It's not a necessarily the most likely teams to win a championship, although they kind of frame it that way a couple of times. But the Wolves have much higher expectations, certainly over the next five seasons, but I would argue this year, than the Portland Trailblazers who are just kind of trying to hang on to a good thing and, and obvi- a great thing in Damian Lillard. But like, how are they going to build a team that's better than the Wolves in the next two, three, four, five seasons? I don't understand how the Hawks, the Hawks aren't going to be better than the Wolves this year. And DeJounte Murray's good, but I mean, they, that, they've kind of rebuilt that rotation on the fly as well. Building around Trey Young, you know, he was great last year. I've never been the biggest Trey Young fan, but he was improved last year. I just don't know where that team goes. The Bulls, same thing. I mean, building your entire team around Zach Levine, who I love, and DeMar DeRozan, who was much better than I thought last year. Similar to Trey Young. Both those guys are better than I thought they'd be. Their respective teams were better than I thought. Well, I shouldn't say that. Not about the Hawks. The Bulls are better than I thought they'd be last year. But the their roster building tactics, I don't know, I don't know what the ceiling is this season for those teams. And I don't understand how the Wolves are not in that, you know, the, the championship over the next five seasons as their goal. You don't trade for Rudy Gobert if you if you don't truly think you can win a championship, not this year, maybe not even next year, but over the next five seasons. It just doesn't compute. It doesn't make any sense to put the Bulls, or to, excuse me, to put the Wolves in the same category as the Bulls, Hawks, 
and Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the next tier is all in and finishing 500, which is a, a tier that the Wolves probably would have been in a year ago, uh, honestly, if they'd done this exercise. But the New York Knicks, Sacramento Kings, and Washington Wizards, I agree with that. The next one is all in on their current core, which I, I believe should really be teams that are building and, and feel like their young core is kind of already intact. Charlotte Hornets, of course, LaMelo Ball, Cleveland Cavaliers with um, Evan Mobley and, and others, Darius Garland. The Detroit Pistons with Kate Cunningham. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans have Zion and, of course, Brandon Ingram and then the Thunder with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And now this year's rookies, including Chet Holmgren, are teams that are going to to lean on their cores that they have in place. And the last one is all, well, actually, there's two more. The draft positioning tier has Houston, Indiana, Orlando, the Spurs, and the Jazz. Uh, that's another way of saying tanking. The last one is all in on nothing, which are is pretty interesting. The Lakers, um, who you could argue would be all in on winning a championship, but what are they doing? Um, the Toronto Raptors, it's unclear about what they're doing. And then Dallas, who allowed Jalen Brunson to go to the Knicks. And uh, now what? Around Luka Doncic. So you have two recent title uh, winners, relatively recent title winners in the Raptors and Lakers. And Dallas, a team that surprised some folks last year after disappointing the year prior and then got worse this offseason. So a pretty interesting ranking, this 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 tiers situation over ESPN. Go check it out. Again, I vehemently disagree with where the Wolves ended up, uh, but but some of this is, is pretty fascinating. So go check it out. The last thing here on the show today is, of course, the Wolves hired Michael Grady to be their next play-by-play announcer. I should say Bally Sports North hired him working with the Wolves in the hiring process. You've no doubt seen this on Twitter. But Michael Grady was a longtime member of the Brooklyn Nets broadcast on the Yes Network. I've talked about on this show how when the Wolves play the Nets, I actually usually do watch. I, I love the Wolves broadcast, but I've watched the Nets broadcast mostly because when Ryan Rocco uh, announces, he's fantastic. I uh, I enjoy um, uh, Sarah Kustak as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they've got back when they had Mike Fratello on the broadcast, he was fantastic. They do a really good job. Um, and Michael Grady did a little bit of everything. He was primarily a sideline reporter. He did some studio hosting and he announced 10 to 12 games. He actually, uh, did the play by play for Kyrie Irving's 60 point game last year. So you can find that on YouTube. If you want to hear Michael Grady, there's a little bit of a Gus Johnson flair to the way he announces. Um, but really smooth delivery, fantastic to listen to apparently a very knowledgeable kind of, uh, you know, observer and student of the game. He started his career in Indiana. He's from the Indianapolis area. He was a sports anchor there. He actually did PA announcing for the Indiana Pacers for uh, like six or seven years. Um, he's done a little bit of basically everything. Um, and I think it's really exciting to bring somebody on board who's kind of an up-and-comer. You know, the Wolves apparently went big game hunting and were looking to hire somebody, you know, somebody like a, uh, like a Roka, Ryan Roko, who does Nets games. He also works for ESPN. Mike Breen does Knicks games. He works for ESPN a number of these guys who, who kind of pull double duty. And the Wolves reportedly looked to do something like that, but instead, and who knows why, if this was just a, a calculated decision that they made, if they kept hearing great things about Michael Grady, or if they got turned down by some of the bigger names, I don't know. I had no idea. But this will be fascinating to see them select an up-and-coming, somebody who's been on a bigger stage in a place like Brooklyn and and you know a team like the Nets, a team that's, that's had such high hopes and a lot of eyes on them, a very... You know, Zach Lowe at ESPN does his league pass rankings every year. I don't think he's released them yet for this year, but the Nets always rank near the top. Um, it's it's a it's a in terms of regional sports networks go, the Yes is a network is pretty big. Obviously, Alex Rodriguez, the Wolves, one of the Wolves minority owners with his time at the Yankees, has Yes connections uh, in New York. So who knows how they came a, 
about this, but the combination, this marriage of a young up-and-coming announcer with a young up-and-coming team, um, is he ready for the moment? They seem to think he is. Is he going to be ready to call the next big ant poster um, that's inevitably going to happen, right? There's at least you know one to two every year that go viral. There was the one last year that didn't count, of course, uh, against Washington or whoever that was against. Um, but uh, at any rate, I think it's a really interesting hire, and I'm very excited to hear him and hear his chemistry with Jim Peterson. Dave Benz was was a very good announcer, and a, 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 you know, by all accounts, a fantastic uh, person, and 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 you know, member of the Valley Sports team. But this will be exciting uh, to to have a fresh voice here with the Wolves as they take on a new look and identity this year as well. So uh, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that here as we get into the season. All right. That's all we have for you today here on the show. We'll be back on Monday, of course, three shows again next week, planned for Monday, Wednesday, Friday. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, you can find this show everywhere, including YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves podcast. Of course, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And now for your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the league in just 30 minutes every day with Lockdown NBA every day, Monday through Friday. Lockdown NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.